Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so glad you joined me today. I hope your weekend was great. I hope you had a nice, relaxing weekend and maybe got some projects done and, and uh, worshiped the Lord and had some great family time. That's my hope. But now we are, we're here at Monday, and I love Mondays. And, you know, Patrick uh, Albanese is always my first guest to get things going, and he's a, a friend and colleague from the great, prestigious city of West Des Moines, great state of Iowa. He's on our studio line right now. Hello, Patrick. Uh, by last week, I was in Florida. That's true. And now I'm back. Yes. That's true. They say half of life is showing up, and you showed up. Good job. I showed up. You know, we almost extended the vacation because uh, we still had some clean clothes. <laughs> Reason enough to just keep the vacation going. We still have clean clothes in the in the well, luggage. Yeah. I had one clean sock left, and it was was pretty tempting. I was like, you know, you can't <laughs> clean clothes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and they offered us an amazing deal to stay a couple of more days, and uh, I didn't really. I wanted to go home, and my wife wanted to stay, and one of the kids wanted to stay, and then we looked at the weather and said, "There's a hurricane coming." That explains the killer deal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's blowing out of town, literally. <laughs> it was uh, so. We came home, and uh, it was one depressing day, and then you're happy to be home. That's true. No, I still marvel at the fact that for decades and decades we traveled with suitcases that didn't have wheels on the bottom. Yeah. But, you know, how much stuff did you have in that suitcase? Not a ton. Because no. you, you had to pack accordingly because you had to carry it. Yes. You know, it, it, to me, that was probably the the airlines, what, what you know, kept them from having to impose a weight limit to the bags. Is you kidding me? That guy has got to carry that thing to the airport. You know, he's not going to do it. And they didn't have, we did learn one of the, like one of the secrets is, uh, at least with the airline we flew, that if you bring a bag in um, that's maybe got wheels on it and you call it a carry-on, it's a $50 charge. Mm. But if you call it a personal item, they're like, bring it on in. Oh, interesting. So you have to call it a personal item, not a carry-on. Yeah. So, you know, I put a bunch of nostalgic stickers all over mine. This is very personal. <laughs> <laughs> So do you, my still, do you still That's travel pretty light, or do you travel like Liza Minnelli? I, I guess, Elton John, I have a plane <laughs> for me and a plane for my stuff. Okay. No, I, you know, I, I, I do well, although, you know, here's the thing. I remember uh, I almost 20 years ago I bought, you know, one of those really nice um, suitcases. But they were heavy duty. And that's before 9-11 and all the other things had happened. And so now you can put approximately a T-shirt one shoe and a soda straw. And you got to bring soda straws to some places because they, they don't have straws. And uh, like on the beach, you're going to get straws. You had a, they were dissolvable straws, very unusual. But um, so I can't fit as much in it weight wise because the bag itself was pretty heavy. So you start out with a 10 pound bag and you say, oh, now the limit's 40 pounds. Gosh, 30 pounds of luggage. Now this year, um, my wife returned with only 30 pounds of shells. Right. One year she brought 60 pounds of shells back and you should have seen us at the airport trying to get checked in. 
and the poor kids, you know, they were really little at that point in time. And she's taking them out of the big suitcase, which weighed 80 pounds. And you get 10 pounds of shells. You get 10 pounds. It was like, <laughs> Oprah, right. <laughs> and you're trying to carry your personal items onto the plane. And the poor kids are ending up with scoliosis from the weight on the back. It was it was pretty rough. But then she comes home and she makes she like crosses for people with so it's a seashell cross. It's nice. beautiful stuff. Nice. And she just made a, a frame for one of our bathroom mirrors. And at first I thought, oh, this is not one of those good ideas, but it came out really well. So um, you know, you pay for the vacation, but free gifts. Yeah. So let me ask about the vacation scene. Were there uh, everyone enjoying themselves, enjoying themselves with masks, without masks? What was happening? Uh, people were enjoying themselves. It wasn't very busy. There was a lot of space between you and anybody else okay. on the beach. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the few restaurants that were still going, they had a mask policy. But the mask policy was as you came in and walked through the restaurant. But once you got to your table and they had it all set up with tables where you're just facing each other, uh, they said you can take off the mask to eat. You know, we're not going to be so. crazy about yeah, this. Yeah, I would and hope so. You guys probably already infected each other. So yeah. go ahead. So uh, let's, let's compare states. I'm here in Minnesota. You're there in Iowa. They're the Minnesota Department of Health said only 44% of people over the age of 90 who are diagnosed have died. Too many, that's way too many for sure, but yes. that's over the age of 90. So in our general age group, um, it's about 4% and younger people hardly any. Yes. What's Iowa Hardly doing? anything is. Uh, I think we have a, a similar trajectory, but you know the, the newspaper is so against our governor here that uh, after weeks and weeks, literally months of saying, you know, she's killing people, um, they then took a poll and said, gosh, people don't like her because she's killing people. But uh, if you look at our numbers, uh, we're, we're on a, a downward trajectory, uh, you know, and the real numbers you have to look at, because if you look back in March, I go to the CDC website, and we were testing about 60,000 people a day nationwide, and now it's between 800,000 and a million a day oh, wow. tests. And the other thing that they do now is uh, if somebody is COVID positive before they're released from the hospital, they get tested daily, but those get counted as positive test results. So it's not a new case, it's just another positive. So you have to what you have to look at is the percentage of the population and you know um if a percentage that are being th that it's lethal for and that number keeps dropping the hospitalizations are dropping the ICUs are dropping and ventilators are dropping so those are all good trends um there's a guy William Farr he came up with Farr's law following pandemics and he says they they kind of have this parabola effect it's the bell curve and so the decline will be about as steep as the incline. And, you know, that was the intention with flattening the curve. We were going to spread everything out over a longer period of time, but keep it from overwhelming the system. And it does seem to be following that. So, uh, but boy, don't you just, you, you turn on the news and you say, oh my gosh, we're doomed. We're doomed, doomed, doomed. It feels that way. You hear it. You hear that more often than not. Yeah. Then and, I see this, uh, this lady named Mildred Shapples, I think is her last name. She's 102 a New Englander, she survived uh, a bout of the flu during the 1918 pandemic as a baby. Now she's wow. already beaten COVID in 2020. She's 102. How about that? So it's 100, 
She's got the hundred year antibodies going. <laughs> well, she should get her own bottle of Smucker's jam. Right? She should. I agree. She should. Wow. She beat a hundred and two. If you had heard that, you'd say a hundred and two COVID. Oh, this does not look good. Mm-hmm. And she beat it anyway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, there's, it's hard to predict what, what might happen uh, going forward. And I don't know if we're going to get another wave of this or, or am I speaking out of, out of turn, we already, it's already coming. Uh, it's, it's, it's coming or where are we reaching? Uh, um, I don't want to say a herd immunity, but maybe something like that where uh, maybe a lot more of us have been exposed to it than we are aware of. And we, it just didn't have an effect on us. And then maybe we have some sort of antibodies because obviously Everybody that gets it does not pass away from it. If the fatality rate is only, right. you know, it's a 99.8% uh, of the people that get it survive it, that's a pretty good, there aren't too many diseases out there where, you know, I, I, you get those kind of numbers. Right. You know, you get, uh, uh, our pastor was talking about his brother-in-law who died from uh, Lou Gehrig's. And... Uh, there's, with the exception of Stephen Hawking, how many people get Lou Gehrig's and live more than two years? It's, that's a, you know. That's a so, brutal one. It's a brutal one. So, yeah, I'll take the 99.8 is, uh, there's some comfort in that, that you say, well, my chances are good at surviving it should I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that but, being overly optimistic? Uh, it is. Um, St- Stephen Hawking lived with it for, what, 15, 20 years? I think so, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Continued to make discoveries and and led a very active uh, life. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. So when uh, we think about activities going on, I think school's going to resume here in the fall, which everyone's excited about. Same, I yeah. would guess, in Iowa, right? Yeah. I mean, my our, our kids are scheduled to go back, and they're doing a hybrid program. So if you don't, if you're uncomfortable with that idea, you can choose homeschooling for your kids or, you know, the, the online only, um, you know, they did make you choose one or the other because they have to prepare. Oh, sure. And they say, you know, once you've made your choice, you got to kind of, you got to kind of stick with, you got to stick with, if you choose to have your kid in school, you got to stick with that. But if you change your mind, they'll let you pull your child out and do the online learning, but you can't do it vice versa. If you stay with online learning, because trying to prepare the school for just you know, in-school resources. Uh, but, uh, you know, coincidentally, one of the family, the family we went on vacation with, one of them is a school teacher. And we had some friends over the other day and she's a school teacher. And both of them, they're, it's, it's not that they're not worried. They said, you know, I'm ready to get back to work. It's going to be kind of hard having to do the two different programs, some online, some in person. But uh, they feel very comfortable being with the kids. Uh, so I think they're comfortable with mitigation strategies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they 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 were not, you know, screaming doom and gloom, sky is falling. You know, we're we've had demonstrations here where the teachers prepare their own obituaries, and it's it's very impactful and emotional. But you know, in my small study of two teachers, <laughs> they said I'm ready to go. I'm mm-hmm. ready to go to school. I'm not worried. Yeah. So that's that's good news. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be the big Sturgis rally. Neither of us uh, probably have ever been on a motorcycle, but there's going to be 250,000 people showing up in Sturgis, South Dakota, for this uh, annual motorcycle rally. think that's a good idea. Well, I mean, is it a protest or is it just a meeting? I don't no, even it's, just, uh, it's, it's just an activity. It's what they do every year. 
Um, no protest. I, 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 I don't know if you can outrun this virus by having everybody hide in their home. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm no Dr. Fauci, but um, I'm sure he would frown upon that. But, you know, um, I, I, it's, I had a friend at age 59 pass away from a heart attack this week and nobody saw it coming. He didn't see it coming. And you say, you know, your days are numbered and God's got that number. Mm-hmm. And he's very secretive about it. <laughs> For the most part, he is. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he lets you know right when it's happening. Right. I think. Uh, and he says, oh, yeah, you hear that bell. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, why not? Uh, I think people, the, the better we get to getting back to real life, the closer we do get to that herd immunity, right? I think so, yeah. I think so. And, um, you know, at some point, uh, it's... If you just keep everybody locked up forever, you could you could keep making the case saying, well, this is working so well, let's stick with it. But that'd be like the person saying, you know, I went on a starvation diet and I've lost 50 pounds, so I'm going to stick with this thing for the next two years. It's like, right. I don't know if that's going to work for no, you. No, it's not going to work it's, at all. So Dr. Yeah. Fauci, I'm going to take a break here, Patrick, but Dr. Fauci had trouble sort of admitting on television the other day that the protests were harmful. Yeah. It was, we happened to see it. I know. Let's talk about that when we come back. Patrick Albanese is my guest as he is on Mondays. Welcome to the show. I'll take a short break and be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. And that's Patrick Albany's theme song. He's my guest on our Skype line. Patrick, uh, as we were talking right before the break, Dr. Anthony Fauci was a little uh, reluctant to admit that the protests were detrimental to the virus. Yeah, it was a very awkward, uh, as he's being asked directly, you know, should we have, should we cancel protests? And he wouldn't say yes. Hmm. He, he kind of hedged into this, well, I'm against, you know, I just don't think we should have large gatherings. So specifically, should we cancel these protests? Well, I think I don't understand your question. And it was, it was very uncomfortable. Uh, I happened to catch it live and uh, both my wife and I thought that's, why can't he just say, yes, that's really I am against it. We should not have these protests. So I'm not saying that makes him, you know, anything sinister. It makes me wonder if he knows how this group works and that if you say anything against them, you get in their crosshairs and it's a very uncomfortable place to be. Mm -hmm. I know I want to be in their crosshairs. It's, it's, we live in cancel culture time where people say, well, you, I don't approve of the bumper sticker on your car, so I'm going to destroy your career. Right. Um, and it's just a bumper sticker that says Jesus saves. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, somebody would be willing to try to ruin your life over that. Mm-hmm. Interesting times we live in. It is. Very interesting. It is. And as ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ, we always have to be presenting truth and light and be showing people who we are in Christ. And, of course, that's going to come at a price. But it seems that much of the world— and even Christians sometimes present a slight imposture to the world. 
because everybody sort of knows deep down I people really knew who I was they may not like me yeah and I, th- I think there is a fear even though we were warned you know you will be persecuted for your beliefs the time will come and um, you know, I think it's like a lot of other things in life. They're going, they're not talking about me, are they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that other guy over there, because him, yeah, I get it. I, yeah, him, he can, he can, he can have the persecution, but I should get a get out of jail free card on this one because I've been so good. Uh, and so it is frightening when we see things like that happen because we we start to realize, I guess you know anybody could be next, uh, and. You know, I, I certainly, as I see the things we're going through right now, you know, you, you say, well, gosh, um, people can't have funerals and you can't go to church. Oh, we're going to have a funeral for this uh, congressman. And uh, I think the governor of the state said, I'll waive that rule for this. And you say, well, you know, this is, these are arbitrary rules, but you really seem to be honing in on churches. You seem to be picking on the churches that want to get together. Uh, so it's... Um, I think it's a very real thing uh, to to be concerned. And then I think you also have to say, well, am I going to stand up and fight or am I just going to take it? And, you know, I don't know what the fight looks like. Yeah, but I, I assume we're all fighters, though. We should be. I hope we're fighters. Mm-hmm. I hope I, stand I, for I have that in me. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there are, of course, if you just ask me, I say, you bet. You watch. Right. And but then when the time comes, will you? Right, right. It's uh, one of my you know, my best friend Craig's brother. You know, one of my one of my best buddies. Uh, his uh, his brother fa- fashioned himself a uh, a boxer in his young young days as a teenager, and uh, trained himself in the basement. And uh, he had a T-shirt, <laughs> and he, he called himself Dickens the Bruiser. Uh-huh. And uh, on the back it said, "It's clobbering time." <laughs> and, he got in the ring for his first bout, and he lasted five seconds. <laughs> he took one hit, he was done. He said, "This isn't for me." <laughs> so I'm, I, I have to ask him if he still has the "It's Clobbering Time" T-shirt. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah, Rebecca sent so, me a great line: um, "We must not settle for an informed mind without an engaged heart." Timothy oh. Keller wrote this in a reference to experiencing the fullness of God through his word, but this truth can apply to so many issues of our day. Head knowledge is useless without a heart and hands to apply. He wrote all the good stuff. I know. He wrote all the good stuff. He wrote a lot of good stuff. You know, if you want to actually, and because I I do like to leave people with something that might be fun, look up, uh, you know, Katie Ledecky, the swimmer, uh, Olympic swimmer, Katie Ledecky. So I guess she put out a video today. Now, I have to admire anybody with talent, but this this goes beyond. She starts at one end of the pool, and she's using a snorkel so she can keep her head down, and she balances a glass of chocolate milk on the back of her head and then swims the full length of the pool without spilling a drop, dropping mm. the glass, gets to the end, drinks the glass of chocolate milk. Now, that is earning the treat. <laughs> but for some reason, it's one of those things you you watch and you say, why does this bring a smile to my face? Why is there delight in things like this? And I, I do think it's because we see so much negativity that when somebody just puts on the tiniest little light of, of good, of happiness, and, and that is, I think, a thing we're called to do. It's not much. I know how much you like to engage if you go into a store. You like to engage the people. You don't just 
treat them like a fixture that's between you and whatever no. coffee product no. you're after. Right. <laughs> uh, like to, it's usually a coffee product, right? Usually a coffee product. You like to engage them. And there's a certain part of you that says, I, I, if I could bring a little bit of sunshine into this person's day where they say, well, there was this one guy who just didn't treat me like a fixture. Mm-hmm. It's you, a good thing. Yeah. You know, I think because when you can balance a, a glass of chocolate milk on your head and swim in the pool a couple of laps, those kinds of moments you go, well, I can't do that. My nephew can't do that. My next door neighbor can't do that. Nobody I know can do that. And yeah. I think there's some uh, delight in thinking, I now have seen it done and I can't believe my own eyes. But it does. It brings sheer delight to you. So whatever God has gifted you to do, make sure you get out and do it. Yeah, you never know what uh, little ray of sunshine you're going you're gonna to bring to people. Now, when I was looking her up, I noticed something, and this is something that people can try. And this, is, this gives you an idea, I think, of our obsessed culture that we live in. Go to the Google type in any celebrity's name, nothing else. And uh, so there'll always be one or two results and then there'll be the people also ask section, right? You know how Google gives you these oh, yeah. suggestions, the things people ask. And I challenge you to put any celebrity in there and then go down to the people also ask section and one of the top two or three results will be how much are they worth? Mm, good point. And it's like, so this is the question people are asking all the time. They type in Alec Baldwin. They go, well, I, I don't care much about Alec Baldwin, but how much is he worth? How much money does he have? And that I've, I've done it now with about a half a dozen celebrities. And that is always a question. People type in a name and they say, I want to know how much that person's worth as if that's going to change your life. It doesn't matter. It's just a bunch of money. You know, let me, it's let, neat. Let me go to Mark eight thirty six. What does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I think of that all the time when I see someone who was very rich and famous who has passed yeah. on. And you wonder, hmm, I wonder where they are now because their money was so important to them. And if they didn't use it yeah. to serve others and to serve the kingdom, they're just left with that and maybe little else. Yeah, it's... um. No, I did type in your name. Okay. You know, it's it funny because we're a little, out of, a little out of time right now um, as oh, we're wrapping things up. That's too bad. Most people just want to know, are your calves really that small? That's <laughs> people always ask. Yeah. Patrick, thank you so much for uh, starting off my Monday in, uh, in such good rare form. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a great rest of the day, and I will talk to you soon. Patrick Albanese has been my guest on the program. We'll take a little break, but when we come back... We're going to have the Monday afternoon mix, and you know that's going to involve Pastor David Miles, myself, and Rebecca Maxwell. We'll be right back. to Afternoons with Bill Arnold, that we want to hear from you. We'd love to know what you think about the show. Well, most of us do. Bill says this week he's only accepting five-star reviews. Either way, you can take the official Afternoons with Bill Arnold listener survey. It just takes a couple of minutes and you get a chance to win an Amazon gift card. Text the word survey to 877-933-2484. Find it online at myfaithradio.com slash survey. Faith Radio.
the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Right now, there's no Miles, but I think he's on his way. That's what he told me. I want to go back to something that we talked about with Patrick, and I think because it's a quote that you gave me, Rebecca, which was, we must not settle for an informed mind without an engaged heart. Such good stuff. Tim Keller said it. It's going to be good. Yes. <laughs> and from... For the most part. From the Christian Secret of a Happy Life from Hannah Smith, that's about a 100-year-old book, come to these conclusions. I've noticed that whenever there's been a faithful following of the Lord in a consecrated soul, several things have sooner or later inevitably followed. Here they are. You ready? I'm ready. A meekness and quietness of spirit. A submissive acceptance of the will of God. Sweetness under provocation. Mm. Calmness in the midst of turmoil. Yielding to the wishes of others. An insensibility to slights and affronts. Absence of worry or anxiety. Deliverance from care or fear. How's I think that, that's, sound? that sounds like that sounds like a prescription for happiness to me, and it also sounds like the fruit of the spirit. It really does. It sounds it? exactly like the type of character that Jesus described and prescribed to his disciples. When you hear that list, did you have any in particular that jumped off for you, and did you go, "Ooh, I need to work on that one"? Or that <laughs> how one confessional sounds... do we want to get? Right? Well, now? I think fairly confessional. <laughs> okay. I think we want to get as confessional as we can. What's wrong with Rebecca? A lot of things. Yeah, I'm working on a lot, but God's there before me, so that's that's where the hope is. Uh, I think the the being easily offended is something that is just kind of out there in the spirit of this age that we want our own way or our own preferences. Mm-hmm. We think that that's right, and so to lay those down for the preferences or opinions of somebody else. that can be a a difficult thing. It's not necessarily our first reaction. Mm -hmm. But I think that goes back to a couple of the foundational ones that you mentioned, the submission and the yielding to God's will. Mm -hmm. That when we understand that God is in control and we really are not, then we understand that our preferences should not be an expectation. And that if we're walking with the Lord, that he is granting us what our heart most needs. But if we're, we have to be in alignment with him in order for that to happen. So I guess it probably doesn't matter what other people's opinions are or even what my opinions are at any given time. But we have to submit to him and that will have an impact on all of our other relationships. Uh, so true. Guess who is now in, in our presence? I see Mr. David Miles. Mr. David Miles. Hello to Monday everybody. afternoon mix is now official. Woohoo! And greetings to everyone in our listening audience. Yeah. So shout out to everyone. Hope everyone's doing. I heard some fruity talk. So, (laughs) fruity talk. Fruits of the spirit. Oh yeah, fruity talk. That kind of fruit. I knew what you meant. Or fruit. Yeah. One singular fruit. Yes. There you go. Pardon my misspeaking. Oh no, that was me. I'm the one who was, you know, being fruity. Fruity. (laughs) I think this is worth repeating because David, you came in a little bit late, but it's a uh, a line from Tim Keller that said, "We must not settle for an informed mind without an engaged heart." In line. And I was just making some reference to an old book that's probably 100 years old by Hannah Smith, The Christian Secret of a Happy Life. And here are some conclusions of um, that whenever you've been a faithful follower of Jesus, sooner or later, you'll, you'll have 
these qualities, a meekness and quietness of spirit, a submissive acceptance of the will of God, sweetness under provocation, calmness in the midst of turmoil, yielding to the wishes of others, an insensibility to to slights and affronts, absence of worry or anxiety, and deliverance from care or fear. Mm. That's what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah, that's really, really, really good and really, really rich. (laughs) I think so, too. It's a 100-year-old book. And who's the author again? Hannah Smith. Hannah Smith. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the the neat thing about even in our aspiration for that, it's it's good to know um, that we're not trying to just do that in our willpower and that we have been given a gift of the Holy Spirit in order to display the fruits of the Spirit. But as I think, Rebecca, you were saying earlier, it's just, again, us submitting ourselves to say, Lord, I need you to work in and through me in that way. Because I think when we don't, it leads to the opposite of those things. It leads to the anxieties. It leads to that consternation, to that unsettledness, to maybe a double-mindedness or a doubting, because we think we are in control. So then when everything falls apart and we don't have the power to put those pieces back together, that leaves us at our wit's end because we've reached our end. We have to get back into understanding the the reality of God's lordship. Mm-hmm. And until that happens, I think there is this unsettledness. And, and that's maybe that's the source of the hope that we're all looking for, that, that people seem to be very open to, at least in some of the discussions I've been having lately. Folks want to know how they can feel safe and secure and, you know, regardless of circumstances. And I think it comes back to understanding this basic truth of the universe that God is sovereign and we are not. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that happens is we, we often fear coming to the end of ourselves you know, in our inadequacy. Um, and I guess like when it's left just to us coming to that point, but knowing at the end of the rope, so to speak, or at the end of the stick is this smiling, loving savior who's like, let me step in now, you know? And so uh, sometimes instead of, you know, fearing those things, I remember a friend of mine in college, um, Besides, you know, we used to talk about, you know, eat your bread or you'll be dead, you know, meaning that you need, you need to, <laughs> That's right. you know, mm-hmm. eat the word of God. Or we'd look at each other and be like, hey, man, you know, and we'd hold, each, hold our breath and say, have you been praying? Because praying is like breathing. But I remember at times we look at each other and it's like, how are you doing, man? It's like, I'm going through just a really interesting trial. And he, and he would say, and we would say to each other, like, man, that's so cool. Like, God's allowing you to go through this to reveal more of himself to you and to see the ways that he'll show up. And I think in our culture that just wants to breed discontentment and fear so, so very much that these are opportunities for us to see what God does in and through our lives. Because that's one of the evidences that you see in the Apostle Paul and that you see with so many different people is a changed and transformed life where people could look at someone and say, hmm, I know you. But what's happening here is not you. And we can say, you're right. You know, there's something sweet like fruit about me. And it's not like me because I can be kind of lemony. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people just driving now saying, oh. If my kids are listening, they'd be like, dad joke. <laughs> oh. I left. I admit it. 
sympathy laugh? Is sympathy one of the Curtis, fruits courtesy of the chuckle. spirit? <laughs> courtesy chuckle. Courtesy chuckle. All right, here's one other thing from the book. Uh, never indulge at the close of an action in any self-reflective acts of any kind, whether of self-congratulation or of self-despair. Forget the things that are behind the moment they are past, leaving them with God. Trust and worry cannot go together. That's some deep thinking. Mm, that's good. Will you like? Would you give us a second helping and say that again? Yeah, I would. Never indulge at the close of an action in any self-reflective acts of any kind, whether of self-congratulation or of self-despair. Forget the things that are behind the moment they are past, leaving them with God. Uh, that's a good word for doing a radio show because you can go home going, hmm, I don't know if I did very well today. Or if you had a really kind of good show, you'd think, well, I think today was pretty good. And I, I go, hmm, it's not about me. It's about right. the Lord. And this is about God's work. I feel grateful I can sit in this chair in front of this microphone and a sentence. That gives a certain freedom, you know, just to, to lay forth an offering and to, yeah, to leave it I'm in I'm saying I'm hands. good at it, but I'm saying, <laughs> saying that's the, the idea. I am so terrible at that. I just admit it, that I am, I'm probably the queen of rehearsing a conversation that happened and thinking, oh, well, maybe if I'd said this, or I wonder if my tone was right. I wonder, <laughs> you know, did I have the right eye, amount of eye contact? Like, did, was that the way that God wanted me to say this or that? And, and so there's, I, I think we can learn from our mistakes that's mm-hmm. probably why God allows us to make so many of them. But I I believe and I will learn from what you have just shared, Bill. Good. Now, another listener just said, the enemy tempts us to try to fulfill the fruits of the Spirit and condemns when we can't see it produced, but Jesus calls us to abide in him. Mm. Yeah, the enemy is such so so very, you know, tricky. And, and uh, one of the things that... I don't know if any of you have read uh, Screwtape Letters. See, my fruit is not articulation Mm -hmm. at this moment. (laughs) I'll just leave that behind. (laughs) But there's this part where Screwtape is talking to Wormwood, and he's explaining to him, you know, our father, and he's talking about the devil, loves both the glutton and the foodie. And not realizing that they're both entrapped to one another. Mm. You know, like one is like, I, I overindulge, but the other one's like, oh, I'm really particular about food. You know, and so what happens is the enemy likes to catch us either way, where it's like, you need this, you need this, you need this. And then when you do, then it's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. And stands at both ends to beat us up with that. And Jesus seeks to set us free from that. That's good. We're coming in late. We're doing good today. <laughs> he had a lot stored up. I guess so. You had it all sort of in the in the brain, and you just came in, and there well, I don't know about that. Yeah, it was all there. I hang out with two really cool people that they have a lot going on, a lot going on. Say thank you, Rebecca, because you're one of those cool people. Uh, that was me. Oh yeah. I thought he was going to tell us who the cool people were. No. Both? Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm Sorry. looking at both of you. Well, thank you. Thank you for my share of the compliment. You know, so it's like, I, and like, I can do this because you never, you ever driving along and, and I've, I've said this to my wife, I'm, um, I'm going to talk to you, but I'm going to continue looking forward, but mm-hmm. I am talking to you and 
You know. Good thing. Yeah. And, and Tammy will say, I appreciate that. <laughs> so should we break a little early and then get to the prepared material? Ooh. We could. Do we you mind do if that. I do you mind if I read the the reference that we've been talking no, about? Please, yeah, without, please. Um, from John fifteen, when we've been talking about abiding and yeah. and this whole fruit yeah. analogy, mm-hmm. and the thing I find really interesting about this is the binary effect. When Jesus says, starting uh, John fifteen four, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And and the thing that strikes me about that is, as we're talking is we think that we can produce something that's on our own. But Jesus actually says, if you have fruit in your life, it's because you're in me. In, in that way. I mean, correct me mm-hmm. if I, I'm not quite applying that right, but mm-hmm. it says, you you are the branches. You stay in me, and that's where the fruit comes in. And it doesn't say you might be okay at bearing fruit. It says you will bear much fruit. Why? Because you're connected to me. And that's where the life is. And so I don't, I think that there is a freedom in that as I'm I'm pondering that in my brain, and, and maybe we can talk about it later, but the when we have those those fruit moments in our lives as we recognize, you know, I, I think I'm growing in this area. I think this is not how I would have reacted before. <laughs> this is the work of God in my life. And it's not, you know, way to go me. It's recognizing the spirit of God is living and active in us. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So Amen. I guess we're not going to break early. <laughs> We could break on time. We could break on time, That's, exactly. That works for me. So we'll get back to the prepared material when we come back <laughs> at the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. We'll be right back. We are back with the Monday Afternoon Mix, Miles Arnold and Maxwell. We're going to get to the prepared material, but not sure we're going there, David. Are we? No, I like what Rebecca was talking about, and I think just this part of being being um, plugged in uh, is such a key part. And, and when you think about it, one of the things that the, the enemy wants to do, and even, you know, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about our, the three uglies that we battle, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the world would tell us, you know, life is so much, you know, better on your own being the captain of your ship. And the flesh says, I want to be in control. And the devil says the same thing that he said to Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3. The big guy is holding out on you. You just need to choose this life path. But all of those things scream to us, disconnect from being with Jesus and Rebecca hit upon this that it's it's our actual connection to the vine of which life flows in and through us. And you know, I remember uh, having friends and accountability partner, one one of the first questions they would ask and how you're doing is like, so how's your time with the Lord? Meaning, how's your connection? You know, and 
But opposite, like a Martin Luther would say, I have so much to do today that I need to spend three hours in prayer. <laughs> you know, we're kind of like, I have so much to do. Hi, Lord, good to see you on my way <laughs> type of thing. But that connection part is just, we, we can't stress it enough, you know. And and it's not just connection for connections, you know, like I'm connected, but it's we're connected to a person, a real, eternal, loving person who wants us to know and to feel his life in that relationship. This is working on me big time today. This is really helping me. So I'll talk more. Because <laughs> I'm not going to learn if I talk. You're not? No. I never learn when I talk. I don't like talking. Bill does not like talking. Yeah, and yet he's in this industry. I know. And it's kind of amazing. So that, is, that is interesting. It's but one I'm, of those I'm kingdom to, paradoxes. I'm here to learn. Well, I'm here to learn, too. Well. And we're, we're learning from you right now. Yeah, You're right, on a roll. We're, we're all, you know. I was thinking I I can add just a little note experientially in terms of application is that's one of the first things we do when we talk to a guest is we call them or we, you know, click up to connect. And that's what we have to do is check the connection. That's the first thing before we can get into the substance of whatever we want to talk about. We have to check the connection to make sure everybody's sounding good. It's coming through clearly. And and that's where the energy for any interview is going to come from, from Mm -hmm. a good, solid connection. Well, that's one thing that I love about, you know, kids because they're, they're not pretentious. And one of the things I used, I, I really love, we're doing like child dedication services. And uh, and I remember being in college where there was a section where the parents would be given a charge and then the congregation. And I remember in college when we do these charges and I'm sitting, you know, in, in the pews and I'm just in tears as I mentored young boys and stuff and thinking about their lives. But then even as a pastor getting to do these dedications, I remember one time I was talking to our church family and in the middle of having this conversation, the little child was being dedicated, reached over and grabbed my face and turned it to her <laughs> to look. And I'm like, exactly. And like, she was saying, great. You're, the connection is with me, buddy. <laughs> You know, and I was like, and it was so sweet, Mm -hmm. but there was such beauty and truth in that, you know, that, that whole part of really connecting with people and God made us for connection. You know, God could have stayed afar, but as that beautiful scripture talks about in the incarnation, he put on flesh and he moved into the neighborhood and we see through scripture Numerous of times, not, not only did Jesus see people, but he also made connection and, and touched them or engaged with them. And, and that's something uh, that our world is desperate for right now. And, um, and when we connect with people, especially in, in this time that we're living in, where people are looking past each other or talking past one another or not listening, when we connect with people and allow, as you were saying, Rebecca, to allow the life and love of Jesus to flow through us into other people. It it's profound, like it, it's really profound for them and for us. And we can see God at work in all these little miracles that He invites us into every day. I got nothing. Amen. That I mean, the- I that I'm just still listening. <laughs> Well, I'm still absorbing right now. This is your topic, though, Bill, because you are a master at connecting with people I, and making them feel seen and understood. That's why I'm, I'm listening valued. so intently right now. It's a big deal. It is, because that sets the stage. I think it was Billy Graham that said, imitating Christ is opening the door to friendship. 
So find creative ways to open that door to friendship. Because mm-hmm. people, um, they they are feeling a sense of, you know, loneliness in the world. Um, it's it's interesting, you know. My wife and I, we would like watch. We like like dramas and even you know documentaries and even like crime shows and figuring things out. And uh, it's interesting, like you know, shows where you have to really think through like what's happened. And even our our two oldest sons, we'd watch and have a conversation afterwards and and allow just discuss the word of God and what happened in this. And you know, one of the shows that we watch is called Criminal Minds. And Criminal Minds is dealing with a behavior analysis group that looks at different crimes and stuff. And it was interesting. We were watching a couple like episodes because we were on vacation last week. But we spent most of our time outside because it was so beautiful up on these Minnesota lakes. It's just we, we live in a wonderful and beautiful area. And there's just beautiful people around. But back to this. Watching this show, it was amazing that a number of these crimes that were being solved and even part of what was underlying was a lack of connection. That there was a lack of connection that was happening in that person's life and then seeing it um, manifested or come out in inappropriate and sometimes deadly ways. And so when we connect with people, um, there's power. And sometimes you you don't know exactly what's going through a person's mind. I, I remember being in college one time and, and sitting in the union and, you know, a friend came by and they were walking through and I saw him and I just started chatting with them. And I was talking and like, how you doing? And just asking questions and, and all this stuff. And they seemed fine. And they were, and, and I, and they got done and they looked and they said, Hey, you know, thanks for talking. I said, you know, sure. That absolutely no problem. They're like, no, you don't understand. I was thinking of ending my life today. And I'm like, you know, and I'm chocolate and I turned white chocolate in that moment. (laughs) So, but had no clue and would have never known. But there was something about connection and and walked away not saying, oh, yay, Dave, but saying like, there was nothing cool about me, but saying, thank you, Jesus, that you gave that opportunity to connect with someone and to meet them in that moment. And there was nothing like cool. what it was is Jesus flowing through us. And when we allow Christ to flow through us into the lives of other people, we don't know the things that people are coming to or coming from when we run into them. And so, um, you know, our need to, to connect. And I want to just like point us to one really powerful passage of Scripture that um, I love. It's Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. And, and mark this, like highlight this in your Bible. Um, it's really just a, a sweet passage. And it says this, Isaiah 50, verse 4. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Notice, God is inviting us to connect with him each morning, connect with him each day. But he's also saying in the process of connecting with him, he's going to deposit something in us so that when we connect with other people, that we can sustain other passages, say, refresh the weary. And I've seen this, guys, happen time and time again, where something that I read that morning or the day before, like, boom, I will 
run into someone and the issue that they're dealing with, God had already just dropped that in my time of connecting with him. That's powerful. I sent this text out to a number of people this morning. Uh, Psalm 90, verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. That's good. That is good. Psalms, Psalms 90, verse 14. All right, David, we're getting to the end of the Monday afternoon mix. That went so fast. It did. And I guess the last thing, the most important connection, if you're listening today, and if you haven't made a connection with Jesus, we invite you, we encourage you, and it's the most beautiful connection that you can have today and forevermore. Amen. We'll have to do an extended version of the Monday afternoon mix. Do do an hour. Wouldn't that be Ooh, fun? That would be fun. I, like we're just, I think we're just getting started, and now it's over. Bill will have to talk more, though. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we shall see. We will, we will remain at 30. <laughs> All right. Love you, listening audience. Don't push me. Have right. a great week. There you go. It's nice. You're taking us out. No, you take us out. No, you just did. <laughs> All right, that wraps up hour one, but hour two is going to be uh, Ken Samples, and he's my regular guest once a month. I know you love Ken, as do I. He's the theologian and philosopher. That's all coming up in our next hour. A special thanks to David Miles for the Monday afternoon mix, and Rebecca Maxwell. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.